Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 199 of Dogcast Radio. This, along with all the other almost 200 episodes, are on our website, dogcastradio.com. And there's lots of other resources on there too, so do go and take a look. In today's episode, we have record-breaking dogs. I have two Jack Russell Terriers who are very special. Jessica, she's nine years old, and she broke the world record with the most skips with a human and a dog with a single rope. We did 59 skips in one minute. And the Dogcast Radio News. In Beijing Zoo in China, eight cubs who were rejected by their mothers were lucky enough to find a foster mother in a golden retriever who had recently had puppies. But before all that, I'm talking to Anne Carlson about dog treats made from crickets. Now, I anticipated that this interview was going to be interesting. Obviously, because I don't ever aim to find boring guests. But this turned out to be amazing and taught me things I genuinely didn't even know I didn't know. Anne is the CEO of Jiminy's Dog Treats. And the first thing I asked was, what's so special about Jiminy's? Jiminy's are healthy and delicious dog treats, but really what sets them apart is that they are sustainable. And when I say sustainable, uh, what I mean is that they, they use less resources, less land, less water, less feed, and also they emit less greenhouse gases than other treats. Mm, sounds fantastic. So how is that achieved? <laughs> it's because we use cricket protein. So instead of traditional animal agriculture, beef, chicken, what have you, we're using cricket protein. Wow. So, and I mean, is, is that as, because obviously that's quite different to most of us. So is that as good a protein source? It, it is actually an amazing, uh, we call it a superfood. It is delicious, so it has a nutty taste. It's it's um, reminds you of say uh, nuts or seeds, hmm. but it also has very high protein. When you compare it uh, pound per pound with beef or chicken, it has more pr- protein. It's high in fiber, omegas. It's got vitamins B two, B twelve. Um, it also has iron and calcium, magnesium, potassium. It's it's all these things. And because it is an animal protein, uh, it has a complete, it has complete amino acids as well. Mm. So it's, it's excellent for the environment and excellent for dogs, it sounds. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. So what was the inspiration for you to start Jiminy's? Well, you know, there are so many problems in this world. Um, I, I, I look at uh, climate change, I look at rising temperatures, uh, droughts, uh, and yet the choices that we make don't often help the situation. And so personally, I've been passionate about making different choices. And in a small way, I I believe that that helps. Um, Professionally, I used to work for Big Heart Pet. And uh, Smucker acquired Big Heart Pet a couple years back. And Big Heart Pet, if you don't know them, they have natural balance, milk bone. There's a, a number of different uh, pet brands that are all part of this, this group uh, that was called Big Heart Pet. And 
when we got acquired, um, I, I looked at you know my choices, and I could move to Ohio. I live in California, and I decided that that probably wasn't for me. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I took a little time to decide what I wanted to do next. And as I was doing that, I was approached uh, by a, a, a group that was trying to put together a grass-fed treats company, so grass-fed beef. Hmm. And I looked at it and I said, well, you know, I, I like the idea of what they're trying to do. They're calling it sustainable dog treats. And quite frankly, when you look at the pet industry, there really isn't much out there that has focused on the sustainability of what we're doing. And so I, this was my sort of yes, but moment. I, I was like, yes, love sustainability. I want to be part of that because that just fits with who I am. But not with not with beef. You know, any way you look at it, a cow is just not a sustainable animal. Mm. So yeah, started looking at all different types of protein sources. And I actually had this chart of sort of traditional protein and then, you know, more exotic proteins and trying to rank them as far as whether or not they were sustainable. And as I was doing that, I just I wrote insects because I was reading an article and I saw something about insect protein. And I just kept coming back to it. And the more I looked at it and started to focus in, and I focused in pretty quickly on crickets because they're they're really the gateway bug. Uh, they they uh, they're the most accessible, I think. And the more we looked at it, the more I was like, oh my goodness, this is not only uh, a great nutrition source, but the sustainability is amazing. So so we really focused in there and started to work with it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it is. I mean, you, you've mentioned sort of it is is much better. But the statistics and sort of the facts and figures behind, when you start looking at those, it really is amazing, isn't it? Oh, it's it's tremendous. So if you look at one of our six ounce bags of treats, which is, you know, smallish bags, you know, eight inches by six inches kind of thing. If you compare that bag of treats to a bag of beef treats, we save 250 gallons of water making that bag of treats. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's the kind of savings that we're talking about. It's exponential. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's incredible. And, and it's the kind of thing that you pick up and think, you know, I, I'm doing this okay and this, this it's good for the dog. And we know to look sort of for, for wheat and, and things like that and to, to know that they're, you know, it's a good protein source. But as you say, to, to bring then sustainability in, that's a whole new ball game then. I believe so. I, I think it is where next generation pet is going to go. And I think it needs to go there. I mean, we need to go there, you know, as people, but we also need to go there with our pets. Because, you know, when you look at our pets, it's not insignificant what these these animals are consuming. I look at the US because that's where I live. And we've got over 89 million dogs who are consuming over 32 billion pounds of protein per year. Wow. And most of wow. that protein is coming from these traditional animal or pr- traditional sources. I, I've done math about, you know, what, what does that mean? And when you look at the water usage and the greenhouse gas emissions, it's, it's huge. And, you know, these are just calculations I've done on my own, but uh, for a single dog, uh, the water consumption is 480,000 gallons wow. um, for a year. And then, you know, greenhouse gas emissions are huge as well. Mm. 
And that would that I was just talking about chicken. If you look at beef, it's even worse for four and a half million gallons. Mm, this beef, it's just a crazy amount of water because it, it, you have to take into account the feed, um, the, what it, the animal itself consumes. Yes, and then course, there's yeah. issues as well. I mean, the other issues are, are you know, very serious issues. The sixty-five uh, percent of the nitrous oxide comes from animal agriculture. Mm-hmm. And uh, nitrous oxide has a global warming potential that's 296 times greater than CO2 emissions. Crikey. So there's a lot of issues here. Yes, yeah. Because, I mean, you, you hear these things about sort of how the um, carbon footprint or, or paw print <laughs> of our animals, yeah. you know, and, and I must admit in the past I've kind of gone, well, okay, it might be bad, but I love my dog and I'm, I'm having a dog anyway. But, you know... If we can look at those issues and find solutions that bring that that poor print, that carbon poor print down, I mean that's fantastic, right. isn't it? Well, and I think that the thing that's important here is we, no matter what, we still want to do the right thing for our dog. Yes. So we need to have a, a good protein source, and then the other ingredients that you combine with that need to be great ingredients as well. So we're really careful about every ingredient that we choose. Um, you know, when you look at the flavors of our treats, their original flavor is a pumpkin based and, you know, pumpkin aids in digestion. We use peanut butter a lot because it's, it's a great binder and mm-hmm. that boosts energy. It's got protein as well, as well as healthy fats and potassium. We use flax seeds, which has um, omega threes. It's, it, you know, you just think about every single ingredient that you combine with it to make it that, that great treat that the dog, not only will the dog love, but it's great for them as well. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, so, I mean, what kind of reaction have you had? Because if, I, I imagine for most people, if, if you sort of talk about them eating crickets, that's that, there's a certain ugh factor. I have to, cards on the table, I'm vegetarian. So it, there is an ugh factor for me, for me to eat them. But certainly, you know, my dogs eat meat. Um, so this would be a great thing for them. So how do owners react and then, how do dogs react to the, the treats? Well, a lot of times we get surprised first. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, wait, say that again? And so, <laughs> you know, you're, you're explaining that what cricket protein is. I'm in the U.S. and quite frankly, we're really far behind on uh, including insects in our diet. But when we talk about the dog eating it, most people will say, oh, yeah, my dog goes and chases and eats bugs in the yard all the time. And a lot of times people go, oh, I've seen my dog eat something much more crazy or <laughs> yes. <worse> than that. <laughs> yeah. And as a dog owner, you probably know what I mean. <laughs> um, so most of them can wrap their head around it really quickly. And the other thing is um, we, when, when we're talking about it with people, we show them the treats because the treats smell good. They, um, they look like any other treat. There's not like antennas and legs sticking out of it or anything <laughs> like that. It's not, it's not weird. Um, and we, we, we intentionally made it smell good. And, and actually, it is human grade. So I eat them in front of people all the time wow. to show them. And oftentimes, I'll get people trying them. Yeah. And most people yeah. are like, oh, yeah, this tastes healthy. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right. I would add more salt or sugar if I was going to feed it to you. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. That that sounds really impressive. And I mean, the thing is, as you said, you want to do the best 
for your dog. You want to sort of give them the best thing. And if you, if you look at the, the sustainable, you know, the environmental impact of a dog, you know, we as humans are beginning to maybe look at, you know, other, either other protein sources or becoming vegan, vegetarian. It's yep. not, it's not healthy for our dogs. So as you say, this is a great alternative, isn't it? Because it is animal protein. It is animal protein and it has all of the things that are terrific about animal protein um, for, for building muscle. Yes. Yeah. And it is interesting because I'm vegetarian as well. Hmm. And what I've found is that a lot of vegetarians and even vegans are excited about this alternative uh, because they, they do feel bad about feeding their dog beef or chicken or whatever it is um, when they won't eat it themselves. Yes. And a lot of them feel okay about the insects because it actually is very humane as well. Um, we, we grow the crickets in, in barns. Hmm. So, um, so it's, it's, it's farmed, but it's in, env- in an environment that they love. So they're a swarming species. So they want to live together. Um, they have, they're actually free range within the barn hmm. in what, like cricket condos so they're able to go up and down through the various layers uh it's free feeding stations and they live 80 percent of their natural life wow so if you compare that to any other animal that you're using uh for for protein it's usually less than 10 percent of their natural life yes yeah and it i mean it is upsetting it is sad um but that sounds great i mean Oh, that was one of the things I was going to ask you about, so the welfare aspect for the, the, the food source. But that's incredible. They can have, I suppose because they're so small, it's easier to meet their needs, but that they can have such a good standard of life and so much life. That really is fantastic. Yes. Yeah, it really is. And, and it's also the end of life is actually very humane as well, because basically all you have to do is lower the temperature and they go into a hibernation-like state. It's hmm. called diapause. And their metabolism slows down and goes dormant, and that's when um, they're harvested. Mm, yeah. So they have a good long life and a happy life and then just go to sleep. Basically, yes. yes. Wow. You're, you're convincing me. <laughs> no, it's, it's really, really, you know, very, very interesting. I, I really like that. And the fact that, you know, dogs are finding them tasty as well, is, it's even better. Yeah, and I, that was something I was really concerned about because I, I wasn't sure how the dogs were going to react to it. So, the you know, when I started this, the first thing I did is I ordered some um, uh, some roasted crickets, just whole roasted crickets. And, I, you know, I have dogs here at home. Um, I have two dogs, actually. I've got a, a Great Dane, Derby, who actually, if you look at any of our materials, you'll see she's become really our poster girl. Hmm. Uh, even though she's a little bit gray, but she's, she's beautiful. So she, she, uh, we say we're reducing my carbon paw print and she's got a very large paw print. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes sense that she'd be reducing. Yes. And then our other dog is, it's Tuco and he's, he's a lab border collie mix. So I, um, I ordered these crickets and the first thing I did is I took them out onto our back porch and I'm like, okay guys, let's try this. So I pulled them out of the bag and started feeding them these dry roasted crickets. They loved it. Mm. They just, they, they were all in and you could tell because the drool started. (laughs) (laughs) That's always a good sign. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. And then, um, and then when we when we combined it and started to create the treats, we did a lot of testing with dogs here in the neighborhood. But we also, um, uh, one of our advisors is Ian Dunbar, who is uh, he created serious dog training, and he he was great. He allowed he invited me basically into their dog training classes, and so I had you know, 20 dogs at a pop that I was able to test the treats on. But then I did, I did professional testing on them as well. A company called AFB does that. And uh, these treats, the original treats, which are the biscuits, they scored in the high 90s, which is great. That means pretty much all the dogs accepted them. And we just recently uh, did some work with them. They're they're trying out some new forms of testing, and uh, I, because of my old life, I, I know a lot of people in the industry, and uh, quite a few of them are dog behavioralists. And this one uh, dog behavioralist has been doing some puzzle trial methods, hmm. where she puts uh, treats from two different types of treats in puzzle bowls, and then based on you know the difficulty of getting to the treat. Treats uh, will test to see which treat is preferred, and our treats. I, I put them up against like big brands like Sojo's and Blue Buffalo, and our treats. Uh, there, there were three of them went, that went into this testing, and two of them uh, performed on par, and one of them beat out one of the big brands. Wow. So I was like, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So, and, yeah, it's awesome. And and our newest treat that we just released is is different. So that all the original ones are biscuits, which are baked. The newest one is a soft and chewy training treat. And we worked with Ian on this one as well. And it it is designed as a training treat. But, you know, when you think about a training treat, there's a lot of things that you want, sort of characteristics. You want to be able to break it into small pieces because you want a lot of feeding occasions. It can't be gross to handle because you're handling it a lot. Um you want the dog to be able to eat it quickly, uh, but it has to be something that just entices the dog like no other. Mm. And our new training treat, it scored 100 in the AFB testing. Wow. So every dog has loved it. Yeah, yeah. So we're super excited about it. I bet, I bet. Wow. I'm just going to ask you, three questions have occurred to me while we're talking. Sure. First, first of all, on a really, really practical level, you know, and if we're going to talk about the practicalities of, of food, and we, sh- we should get down to the realities of food, can you use all the crickets? I've just um, thought of this, that, you know, is there actually less waste in the sense that we don't, we don't generally use the whole of the, the animal, you know, when we're talking about traditional farming methods, but with this, do you actually use all of the cricket? That is a great question. You do. Uh, the way that it works is the crickets, when, when they, you know, they're harvested, they're washed, roasted, and then the entire thing is ground. So that's one of the reasons why the cricket has such a great nutritional profile, because you're actually getting the exoskeleton as well. So it has fiber. Yes. So, and then the other thing that's interesting is that the waste from crickets, uh, which it always comes back to poop, mm-hmm. right? I always end up talking poo. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cricket poop is actually a natural fertilizer, and uh, it's called frass. Hmm. It's, 
it's an excellent fertilizer. It's dry, so it makes it really easy to store and ship and broadcast. And it also, um, it does not emit methane, which is interesting. And it slowly releases the nitrogen. So it's a great fertilizer. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I did not know crickets were so blooming useful. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing when you start getting into it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Another, another question I'm just going to throw at you. Um, so your, your range of treats sounds absolutely fantastic. Are you going to develop food as well? That's a great question. <laughs> the answer is yes. Excellent. I, I actually, last week, uh, we produced kibble for the first time. And uh, we, we did it. We did four different recipes and we're putting it into a month long study with dogs got 32 dogs that are going to be on the four different diets. We've got vets involved and we're working with Iowa State University. And actually, I'm working with a startup here in uh, the Bay Area as well that's doing some microbiome testing with us as we go through the process. Because one of the things that uh, actually has been observed in all of the studies that have been done with crickets is that there might be a prebiotic effect, which means... um, that the cricket protein, as the dog's digesting it, it might be feeding the good microbes in the intestines. Wow. So um, we're we're really excited about it, and we're going to use this test as an opportunity to try to see whether or not, uh, well, to to observe. Yes, yeah. The more you hear about you know crickets as a food source wow (laughs) so i'm beginning to lose the ick factor now and go oh wow this is really (laughs) exciting actually i i am so excited about it uh i just feel you know i feel so good about going to work every day because i i believe in this and um i'm just excited as heck and when you start thinking about if we're able to transition just you know a small percentage of the dogs We've made a huge impact because yes. if you go yeah. back to that water savings uh, that we were talking about, I always go back to the water savings because, you know, in California, we're in drought all the time. And so for me, that is just always top of mind. And it's 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 huge. It's amazing the amount of water that we can that that we're really impacting. If you switch a single dog. Uh, to a Jiminy's diet, so this is assuming we've got the food, we save four and a half million gallons of water per year per yeah. dog. Wow. I mean, and when you say that many, there's millions of dogs out there, that is going to have a big effect. You know, if we could get everybody to get them on board. Wow, it's that really would, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, we use 70% of our water for agriculture and irrigation and only 10% on domestic uses. So, Anytime you can make an impact in that, it's a good thing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another question, I just thought of a, another one as I'm going on. Are they on sale in the UK, Anne? Can I get my hands on them or are they only in the US at the moment? Only in the US, in the US right now. I, I really am excited about taking it outside of the US. Um, I'm looking at Canada first. But I, I was at Global Pet Expo and there was a lot of interest from... Um, the UK, uh, uh, some European countries. Uh, actually, it was amazing uh, all over the place. Hong Kong, um, the, the Netherlands, you know, you name it. I, I had people at our booth. 
And so I just need to work through the regulations of, of getting it there. Uh, but my intention is absolutely to take it to those places. Excellent. Excellent. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to try it out with mischief now. Um, okay. <laughs> um, a thorny, <laughs> well, this is not the final question, but another, it's the final one that's occurred to me as I'm going along. Um, so a bit of a thorny question now. How do raw feeding dog owners react? Have you had any reaction from them? Because they're a tough crowd. Yeah, they they really believe in what they're doing. Yes. Um, and, you know, I my intention is is not to convince everybody that this is the right thing to do. I believe it's the right thing. And I think that there will be a significant number of, of consumers who, who see what we're doing, understand it, and will believe in it as well. Um, if your dog is doing well on that raw food diet, fine. But I, I look at it and go, you're feeding it basically – food that could go to a person. And is that, is that really the right thing to do? It's, it's your choice. But I, I you know, I, I look at things from a sustainability perspective and I, I just don't, I, I wouldn't do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I just wondered what, so whether you'd had any reaction because you say there, I mean, bless them. And I think the world works better if we all do what we're convinced is the right thing, you know, so that, that's great, yeah. you know, um, but it does sound you know, like this is raw food. People need to take a treat along with them when they're hiking or whatever. And actually, um, our treats are sold in some stores that focus on raw food, mm. and it's because they they appreciate the profile of the treats. Yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent. We've talked about a lot, but is there anything that we haven't said yet that you you know you really want people to know? Well, the one thing I, I would probably point at is um, I, I think it's it's great if everyone could learn a little bit more. And there's been a number of UN studies that are are really interesting uh, around this area. Um, the UN did a study about the world's population and that it will increase to over nine billion by 2050, and that to feed this population, the food production is going to need to increase by 70 percent. And to me, I look at that as a global food challenge, and it's compounded when we add in the food needs of our dogs and cats. So I think that's one that's very interesting to look at. And then the UN also did a study uh, on insect protein, and it actually called insect protein potentially the answer to world hunger. Um, both of those you can find. I've got links to them on our website, and uh, I, I believe – it's worth knowing what our issues are. And I, I would take a look at them. Definitely, definitely. I always think whatever the subject, you know, arm yourself with knowledge. You need to know the, the truth, you know, and, and go and find out all you can so you can make the best informed decision. Exactly. And for myself, it's about making sustainable choices, um, making choices that are mindful of the bigger picture. Yes. We just recently, um, launching this new new treat, the training treat, we made a decision to put it into a recyclable bag. Mm. It's not an easy decision because it's expensive, but the material became available. And I said, you know what? That is the right decision. Yes. So we did it. Yeah. 
Good for you. Good for you. I'm just looking at your website and your um your derby is beautiful, isn't she? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's great and she's got so much personality and I think it comes through in a lot of the yes. photos. <laughs> yes, that little little head tilt that's going on. That's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the funny thing is we Tuco has just as much personality, but he's a black dog. And, yes. and you know how it's so difficult to photograph a black dog. Yeah. We were doing a photo shoot the other day and uh, we had Derby. We were trying to get her to shake uh, and ca- capture it on film. And so you know, it's kind of hard because she's her shake. It, sometimes it goes almost to as high as my head. <laughs> but Tuco's behind watching us do this. And somehow he slipped around, got in front of her, and sat in front of us and put his paw up. Oh, (laughs) "Oh, bless you. God, this dog is so smart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the treats. Yes. Oh, that's gorgeous. gorgeous. I do know exactly what you mean, though, because Buddy was black and they, they just merged into a black blur. And you just think, oh, you have to. We, we had at one point, we had Buddy who was black, and then we had a little Bichon star who was white. And so whatever picture you took, either she was whited out or he was just a black silhouette. It was hopeless. It's really hard. The lighting is just, it's so difficult. But um, but we do love to use them when we can. And we, we set up a, a full light kit in our living room, which is hysterical. <laughs> uh, and, and sometimes we're able to get some good photos of him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lovely. I'm going to explore the website a bit more and, and find out if I can see Tuco as well. Um, saying that... Yeah. Can you tell us the, the the website address so people can go and find more more about you? Yes, it's really easy. www.jiminies.com. And then uh, there also is a uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, and Twitter as well, and those are all Jiminies for Pets. Great. That's great. We will put all those links on. And I you know, it's been really lovely and I've learned so much talking to you. So thank you for taking the time out of your day. I've really enjoyed it, Anne. Oh, absolutely. It was my pleasure. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Petting, scratching and cuddling a dog could be as soothing to the mind and heart as deep meditation and almost as good for the soul as prayer. Dean Kuntz, False Memory. And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio News. There was an amazing discovery in Yukon in Canada recently when the remains of a wolf pup from the Ice Age was dug up. Found along with a caribou calf, both animals were mummified, but the wolf pup was entirely preserved with its head, tail, paws, skin and hair intact. Radiocarbon dating has shown that the pup is more than 50,000 years old, and as far as we know, it's the only mummified Ice Age wolf ever found in the world, which means that scientists are extremely eager to get their hands on the DNA potentially available and investigate who the pup is related to. It may also be possible to establish cause of death, diet, health, age and genetics. Wolves and caribou are thought to have roamed what would have been a dry, tundra landscape alongside animals such as woolly mammals. Wow, if the DNA enabled scientists to recreate the ancient wolf, would it be Jurassic Bark? Well, no, it wouldn't, Jenny, because wolves don't actually bark, and although there was an Ice Age during the Jurassic period, that's not actually the Ice Age we're generally referring to when we say Ice Age, but rather... Okay, but don't you think that Disney could make a great animation about a wolf pup and a caribou calf who were best friends? Well, 
No, because the wolf is a top predator and a secondary or even tertiary consumer, while the caribou, as a herbivore, is a primary consumer. So the two would not be friends. Moving swiftly on to our second story, we go from ice age to old age with a retirement home for elderly animals in Belgium, called Les Petits Vieux. The little old ones. It's run by Valerie Loics, and it's home to 150 seniors who are living out their retirement in peace. The animals, which include many dogs, all have health issues or have been given up because their owners themselves were too old to care for them. Founded in 2000, the home allows the animals to choose whether they play together or relax on sofas. And alongside the dogs, which range from Yorkshire Terriers to St Bernards, there are cats, horses, goats, and pigs. How lovely for all of them that if they can't live out their lives with their original families, they can still be loved and looked after in their golden years. And now onto a dog in the UK whose owners have certainly made sure that she is loved and looked after. Lottie, an eleven-month-old Labrador, needed a double heart bypass, and so her owners, Paul and Pauline Daly, used twelve thousand pounds they had saved for their twentieth wedding anniversary to fund her pioneering surgery. According to the vets, Lottie's rare heart defect left her heart as a ticking time bomb, and in order to carry out the vital treatment which had never before been performed on a dog, surgeons consulted paediatricians who had treated babies with the same condition. The problem was revealed when Lottie underwent health checks prior to being spayed, and although it's early days, all the signs are that Lottie is making a full recovery. Lucky she was spayed, and they picked up on the condition. In Beijing Zoo in China, eight cubs who were rejected by their mothers were lucky enough to find a foster mother in a golden retriever who had recently had puppies. The cubs, including Siberian tigers, a white tiger, spotted hyenas, and an African lion, are growing up and playing together. And you can see gorgeous photos of them on Twitter. In America, the last surviving 9/11 rescue dog has passed away. Denise Corliss and her golden retriever Britannia. Were among the estimated 300 teams who searched the rubble of the twin New York towers. Denise and Britannia were members of Texas Task Force One, a search and rescue group. Britannia went on to help in other search and rescue efforts after disasters, including Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Ivan. Run free, Britannia! She and all working dogs are incredible. Now, Boo the Whippet is no working dog, but when he and owner Steve Rostron. Spotted a young magpie distressed and stuck behind a telephone junction box. It was Boo to the rescue. The bird was unable to fly, so Steve and Boo took him home. And Boo welcomed the newcomer, even sharing his bed with him and letting him perch on his dinner bowl. Now the two are inseparable, and even though the magpie, now christened Mike, is at liberty to fly wherever he wants and often accompanies Boo on walks, he always returns to his home. A whippet and a magpie. Now there's your Disney film. That would be a great film. It would. Staying in the UK now with another unlikely couple, Rosie, a cocker spaniel and bulldog cross, became a real-life lassie when she knew there was an animal in trouble in the back garden of her family home in Nuneaton. She kept going up to owner Lorna Black and then going to the drain from the kitchen sink and wagging her tail. Lorna, a mum of two, then followed the dog and could see what Rosie was trying to show her—a hedgehog which was well and truly stuck. Lorna contacted the RSPCA, and Inspector Hertie Bowl was called to the tricky rescue. Hertie said, "The hedgehog, which we have now named Spike, was well and truly stuck. It appears that he had fallen down the drain headfirst, and it was impossible for him to get out. The hole was very small, so I managed to get my hand down, 
but every time I did, Spike naturally curled into a ball to protect himself. I then couldn't free him, as he became too large to fit through the hole. Eventually, after about 45 minutes of trying, poor Spike was free and taken to Birmingham Animal Hospital, but was in good health and returned to the wild in a few days. And Rosie got lots of treats and fuss. And that's it from the Dogcast Radio News this time. See you next time. After years of having a dog, you know him. You know the meaning of his snuffs and grunts and barks. Each twitch of the ears is a question or statement. Every wag of the tail is an exclamation. Robert R. McCammon, Boy's Life. I'm talking next to Rachel Grills, who I've been lucky enough to see performing with her dogs in the main arena of Crufts. I was hoping to get some training tips from her, and she didn't disappoint me. And it's great advice, because she and her dogs have achieved incredible things together, and they even hold some world records. Yes, we do. I have two Jack Russell Terriers who are very special. Jessica, she's nine years old, and she broke the world record with the most skips with a human and a dog with a single rope. So we did... 59 skips in one minute which is amazing i mean that good grief that's like that's one a second basically isn't it crikey yeah it is it took lots and lots of training to um get jessica fit enough and we had lots of vet checks along the way to make sure that she was coping with skipping because obviously it's a lot of pressure on their joints jumping up and down so we did months and months of training before we actually attempted the world record. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Do you know what? I would need months and months of training just to get me to do 59 skips in 16 seconds. So. Yeah. It was quite tiring for me as well, I yes, must say. Not only was I jumping, I was also, you know, giving Jessica a lot of verbal commands and talking to her. So, um, yeah, it was quite tiring for me. But yeah, <laughs> but wow. <just> <laughs> Yeah, oh, bless her, bless her. But then you've got Jacob as well, haven't you? And he holds three world records, doesn't he? He does, yeah, he's amazing, Jacob. He does everything at supersonic speed, Jacob, so he's <laughs> pretty cool. Um, Jacob's got three world records, one being the most rollovers. Yeah. So he did 52 rollovers in one minute. Wow. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. And um, he also did the most paws given, so I could only use one hand to give a paw to. And he did 80 paws in one minute. Wow, incredible. And the third one was leg weave. So we had to leg weave over 30 metres and it was the fastest time. So he got it in 18 seconds. Wow. I mean, I, I, I don't know where to start with this because it's absolutely brilliant. But let, let's start because it's just to go to me like the leg weaves. Again, yeah. obviously, that's teamwork. You've got to sort of play your part there. But is and usually these world record attempts, they're very um, regulated, aren't they? There's certain conditions you and you've got to meet and sort of. So with the leg weaves, what kind of rules did they they set up for you? Um, so with the leg weaves, I had to have four witnesses. So there was one doing the timing. There was one videoing it. 
There was one person videoing it in slow-mo so they could see it really slow. And then there was one person there making sure that everybody else was doing their job correctly. Um, I also had to get a surveyor, qualified surveyor, to come out and measure the 30 metres. And the surveyor had to have a certificate um, because they wouldn't just take our word for it. Um, And I had to have a line drawn on the floor as my start position and my finish position. And then obviously the, the tape measure all down the long side. And so we took the challenge. You're allowed to have several attempts at the challenge. Um, but with Jacob, because he's so quick, I have to step really quickly. Yes. Uh, and so to start off with, it was okay. And then come the end, I was having to really pick up my pace because he was going, you know, speeding along. He was loving it. Bless him. Yeah. Oh, but, but you see, that's lovely to hear that he got quicker. He didn't get tired and go, oh, I've had enough of this. He's going, yeah, yeah, I'm in my stride now. Come on, mom, let's get going. That's lovely. Yeah. Oh. And was there any um requirement on you to sort of have a, a, a set length of step or anything like that or was it sort of up to you how how many steps you you took no no it, it was fine with the steps the, the actual steps didn't matter so that was fine whether I did big steps small steps or whichever um but obviously I had to be careful with my striding that Jacob didn't miss my leg weaves otherwise it would have been taken away yeah yeah now the the rollovers as well I mean I think I think the most I, I could have got with my, my dog that, I mean, with Buddy that sort of really like, I'm just thinking of our dogs, which one liked rollovers best. And Buddy liked them. He would do them. But I think yeah. perhaps, perhaps two every 10 seconds or something, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that, that, he must have just been a, you know, a blur as he whirled along. I know. Well, when I originally started teaching him to roll over, it was just a constant roll. Um, but when the rules came through, I had to have my dog in a stand position, go down into a roll and then come back to a stand position. So once I got the rules, I had um, a couple of weeks to retrain a stand in between every roll. So uh, I thought, oh, gosh, that's going to take some time away from me and make, you know, give me less rolls. But um, the Jacob took to it quite quickly. So I had to literally do a roll, a stand, a roll, a stand, a roll, a stand. So yeah. and the, the target to beat on the most rollovers was 15 and Jacob did 52. So he really <laughs> smashed it. <laughs> that really puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Wow. I mean, that's that. I'm not good at maths, but that's knocking up towards four times what went uh, on yeah. isn't it gosh wow that's not bad maths for this time on a wednesday morning that's <laughs> <laughs> <No>, very good <laughs> but obviously again everything was um recorded in slow-mo as well as normal um so they could see every single one he had to stand in between each one so i was worried i wasn't going to get so many in but with that it was like i say i was so pleased with him and again you can take the challenge several times but i only did it the once because i thought you know that's quite a lot on his little head bless him spinning over that many times i'm I'm amazed i'm amazed he wasn't dizzy because like ballerinas have to pick a spot and keep looking at it don't they but wow for him to spin like that that's it they gave me a certain size you know i could i got a piece of carpet a certain size that he could roll on and if he rolled off the carpet then obviously the rolls were taken away from me so um he was really stayed on the carpet and like I say we smashed that challenge (laughs) wow that is a that's a lot of um hoops to jump through which I I assume maybe one of the challenges along the way most hoops jump through (laughs) 
That's right, because until the actual rolls come through, you don't know. You know, I just thought it was a basic roll over and continue to roll. So, yeah. 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 And I mean, the, the giving pause one, because I'd assumed when I read that one, I'd assumed you could you could offer your left hand, offer your right hand. Because I've taught a dog to do, you know, if I offer my left hand, you offer your well, right paw, you know, oppose me. And if I offer you my right hand, you give me your left paw. And that, that's a clear indication to the dog. So how did you get them to to offer a different Again. hand, different paw? Again, that's what I um, trained, my left hand to my right hand, alternate paws. Yeah. Um, and when the rules came through, I had to have one hand behind my back and could only give him... Well, I gave him my left hand, um, but not only could he put his paw on my hand, it only could touch the palm of my hand. If it touched my finger, my thumb or my wrist, they would take it away again. So it had to hit the palm of my hand every time. Um, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> again, I retrained it, bless him, and he picked it up within a couple of weeks. And oh. we were at that one. It was 80 paws in one minute, and we had to beat 30. Wow. Again, oh. over double. Wow. I mean, and also... Just reading the titles of the world records, you know, I sat here going, wow, that that really is incredible. And the speed is incredible. But then the rules that they've put on top of that, I mean, good grief, it gets it just gets even more impressive the more I hear about it. Wow. Yeah, and like and again, we had to have all the witnesses. And not only did Jacob break all three world records, he did them all on the same day as well. Bless him. So I don't <laughs> yes. know. If- done that before <laughs> is there a world record for most world records broken in a day i mean I know, we were just oh. asking them actually that we we're going through the motions of asking them that because we don't really know yeah. <laughs> so we might get a world record for breaking three in a day <laughs> <laughs> That'd oh, be good. Well, yes yeah incredible incredible and i mean the the, the world records are, are brilliant that would be enough you know that's 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 a great claim to fame but that's not you and your dog's only claim to fame is it because you you've been on you know one or two tv shows haven't you as well that's right yeah <laughs> um we've been on um who let the dogs out we've been on those for a couple of years on the trot um i went on that dog can dance with um, Ashley oh. Butler and um, Sharon Osborne and Bill Bailey were on that. Um, with uh, my my daughter got a kiss off Simon Cow. <laughs> programs we went on, <laughs> and we've been on Alan Tishmarsh. Uh, we've been on Sky One doing very British party and oh, done several yeah. bits and pieces. Oh so, yeah. yeah, I've got I've got the list in front of me because I thought you might not remember them all. But there's my TV pet star. There's Louis Spence's show business. Um, That's right. Yeah. There's then you've said who let the dogs out, but then there's who let the dogs out and about. There's ITV top dog model, Wild Thing TV, Live with Gabby. Um, <laughs> you've said the very British part, the Alan Titchmarsh. Um, oh, three times on the Alan Titchmarsh, um, right. and the one show and 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 I mean, wow, just. <laughs> They they really are. These are famous dogs we're dealing with here. They go around um, with Mr. Noel Fitzpatrick, um, the bionic vet on Channel 4. Yeah. yeah. So he holds um, dog fests each year. He holds four a year. So we go around with him and his team and we do lots of demos and displays to the public there as well oh, on how to treat so we get out and about quite a lot <laughs> yeah yeah I because I, I obviously I've, I've researched you and you 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 and your dogs have done competitions as well and you do lots of live displays and shows I, I you know I, it's just amazing do you do you ever get a day to just sit down and sort of go right guys it's it's relaxed today just just chill out 
Uh, my dogs I do give time off to um, because, you know, it's very hard work for them, uh, especially when we go to these shows and displays. We're working quite a lot. Um, so they will have a few days off, but we also do agility as well, and they love that. So <laughs> we're, we're kept hectic and uh, busy all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, that, that was something I was going to ask you because um, we, uh, Buddy and I, um, dabbled very, very um, amateurly in um he'll work to music and you know we had a blast but we weren't good at it and you know it we were comedy value i'll give us that we were funny <laughs> but we weren't good but um we were judged by um kate and jean uh, from you know bbt oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean kate did most of the judging to be fair but anyway <laughs> jean was there but kate and jean went on and performed first and then jean happened to come and lie down with the rest of kate's family right by us and she was ready to go again she was just lying there and you could see she was ready you know she was like i'm i'm on i want to perform and buddy went in and we did our our comedy turn you know and came out <laughs> <laughs> and then he was happy to lie there and he was just working the crowd anybody within reach he just wanted to cuddle and a fuss whereas gin you could see she wanted to work again and and i, I think sometimes the dogs that make brilliant sort of working dogs for want of a better term you know but performing dogs um could potentially they could be very bad pets couldn't they because they they are on so much do you know what i mean they they need that stimulation yeah they like to be kept their brain likes to be kept active as well doesn't they so yes. uh, yeah no once they've they've got into the swing of things they tend to always be looking for something to do they they always think that you want them to do something else so it does take a while to like calm them down and switch off <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say because another thing is you know your dogs must enjoy what they do they they you couldn't get that level of performance and that level of energy from them you couldn't force it could you they are enjoying what they're doing they love it yeah it's it's like a job to them it's you know it's their work like you say they love it they think it's what they should be doing every day you know it's fantastic yeah. and it's really nice watching them enjoy it and when the crowd start to cheer and clap along the dogs just seem to pick up a bit more energy and a bit more speed and they're you know raring to go again <laughs> yeah oh bless them oh lovely thing with the um heel work to music is thinking of new routines new costumes because you have to keep changing your routines and your songs um and trying to invent new tricks whether it be with props or on your body and things like that so my dogs do quite a lot of prop work so they'll skateboard and barrel roll and push shopping trolleys and go through tunnels all sorts of things whatever i can think of one will open the box and so i've got like a jack in a box yeah so one jack Russell will open the box and the other jack russell will pop out um <laughs> i've got a toy box where one dog will let himself in and out i did a thriller routine where i had coffins and all the dogs popped out of the coffin so <laughs> thinking of props and routines to go with the music all the time and changing it around which is the hard part yeah. this year i'm doing this year I'm doing a grease routine. So my dog has an actual grease lightning car. So he'll drive in on his car and um, he's got um, an oil barrel. Um, he will do the skateboard in that one because everybody loves a skateboard. Yes, yeah. And, and then he'll go off into the toolbox and then Jessica will come in in her pink lady's car and then she'll come and she'll wow the crowd with her fantastic skipping. Um, and then Jack will come back out of the toolbox and then they'll do some tricks together as well. So it's... It's it's thinking of something new and different all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, you must be fairly high performance. You say yourself, you know, high drive. You, as you say, you 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 
it's a it's a very demanding thing to keep doing because it it is um it's a high turnover you know tricks and thinking of new ones and and particularly as more and more you know we we've seen as you say Ashley and and um, Pudsey and and people become higher and higher profile and we see more things you've got to keep upping that um the bar haven't you yeah all the time um actually Ashley was here the other day yeah. with me a play with some tricks and things um but yeah no it's it's keeping something fresh and new whether it be the you know you can use like old music that was very popular that people think oh god yeah i remember that but it has to be something quite catchy for all the crowd because obviously you're trying to please all ages so the young children as well as the older people you know you've got to try and make it fun fun and fantastic really (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean i hadn't thought of this beforehand but i just thought of this going on but the props, obviously the props are hugely important to the routine. Do you get them specially made for you or, or are they commercially available or what happens there? Uh, well, like a skipping rope and a skateboard, anyone can. Yes. Um, but like my jack in a box and my special props, um, my father-in-law makes for me. I sort of tell him what I want and he'll go off and work out how to make it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, father-in-laws are, are fathers. Fathers-in-law are wonderful. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. That is great because it involves them as well. I, I love that when it's sort of a, a family thing. That's brilliant. Now, yeah. my mother-in-law helped do the costumes as well because she's quite good on the old sewing machine. So, <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, that's brilliant. And I can just picture them now in the audience going, "I made that. See that? I made that." <laughs> <It's> lovely. <laughs> um, so. Did you intend, was this something you intended to do? Did you think, you know, I'll go and get a dog and we'll do some training and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll achieve marvellous things. How did it start? Well, originally, um, dogs are, you know, we live on a farm, so dogs were just pets, you know, we didn't think about doing any trick training or anything with them. Um, but um, I started off trick training my horses. So I taught them how to rear and bow and give a, a leg like a paw for the dog, um, taught them to do seesaw, jumps, weaves, all sorts of things that we do with the dogs nowadays. Um, but it used to take me ages to teach the dog to do, I did a rock and roll routine. So he did head banging. Mm. So I taught him to do head banging and bow yeah. and things like that. Take me about, I think to teach one of my horses, it took me two weeks to teach him to sit another horse it took me three months so it depends on the horse as well because it's not something that comes natural to them um and they're quite big animals to try and maneuver around yeah yeah i was self-taught as well so i had no idea what i was doing when i first started off Mm. (laughs) um a lovely welsh d black stallion who who i idolized and um he was my companion we did everything together um, so I started trick training him. And then as I learned through training him, I could then train my other horses as well. Um, but one day I was picking out my stallion's feet to go and trick train him. And my little Jack Russell jumped on my back and then onto the horse's back. Um, the horse just sort of looked and put his ears back to think, what's that on my back? <laughs> and I rewarded him and was quickly rewarding the dog. I thought, oh, my God, this is fantastic if it works. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and Jessica, it was Jessica that got on Black Lad and um, she loved it up there. She thought it was great. So I started doing tricks with Black Lad with Jessica on his back. And then when I put him into a bow, I'd ask her to walk backwards towards his bottom end so she wouldn't slide off and things like that. Um, and then I thought, well, what can the dog do up there? So 
then I started tra- training the dog on top of the horse's back, um, which gave me more of an idea to do more tricks with the dogs. Um, I found it a lot easier to, to train the dogs because, like I say, to teach Jessica to to sit, it took like 20 minutes, half an hour, um, whereas the horse, it would take a couple of weeks. Um, so it went from there, really. I was just doing more and more tricks with the dogs. Um, when we used to go away to shows and displays, it was easier to take the dogs because they could come in the hotel with me. Um, when I took the horse, it was it was quite hard work. We'd have to either tent it and rough it a bit or um, find somewhere <laughs> with a B&B with stables, which was really, really hard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's taking the dogs out and about. Yeah. Wow. See, again, I've got a picture there. You, you'd have to have a room with two double beds and one for you and one for the horse, obviously. <laughs> Ground floor. Yeah, the ideal. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Oh. And, and um, just to explain, just, just in case anybody listening sort of goes teaching a horse to sit, it's, it's not a behaviour they kind of assume. And I only know this because you've told me this beforehand. I don't know anything about horses. I'll put my hands up now. But it's not a behaviour they, a, a position they as, sort of assume as a dog does, but it is a position they take at some times, isn't it? The sit position. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, when a horse goes down to have a roll in a field or they'll lay out with their front legs out just to itch their belly um, and then they tend to prise themselves back up on their front legs. So they're in a sitting position, but they're only in that for a short time just to push themselves back up again into a stand. Um, so it's not something that they, you know, you won't just see them sat in the stable yeah. looking around. <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> no. they're in the position, they tend to get up pretty quick. Um, so to actually train it. Obviously, they will stay there because it is a trick now and they'll sit in the sit position and they'll give a wave and, yeah. and they can turn the sit position and face the other way. Wow. Um, but it, it did take some training because it's not a natural thing. Mm. So uh, I used um, carrots and brown bread to, <laughs> 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 to um, lower my horses down into the positions and move them around because they're big animals to maneuver around so yeah a bit yeah. of bribing with some carrot and bread work to treat <laughs> <laughs> oh bri- bribery is good every time yeah, yeah that was uh, something i sort of wanted to ask you because you know how we train our animals is so important because you know there's different ways you can get the animal to do something and some of them are uh, good for the animal and some of them not so good and you already said it's it's the relationship your horse was your friend and that developed into, oh, can, can we do some tricks together? But it's that relationship. I always think it's, if that's okay, if that's at the core of everything and you care about that relationship between you, you're going to go about things the right way. And and that must be the same with your dogs because they look so happy when they're doing their jobs. Oh, I have a fantastic relationship with my dogs. I mean, they're with me 24-7, you know, they're never away from my side. Um, yeah, they, they're willing to please all the time. Well, I've always got my treat pouch on me, so, you know, if they do anything great, out comes the treats and reward them for it. Nothing's done that they don't want to do, if you if you can understand. They're yes. always, nothing's forced then. They're always willing to do and please and try new tricks as well. You know, sometimes they'll do things that I haven't even asked, so that's why I have my treat pouch on I me. Mean, I can quickly reward it and say, oh, my God, that was fantastic. You know, let's see how much we can, you know, see if we can take that to the next step. Um, so it's just being there and watching and being quick to, to get the reward in. So they're never pressured to do anything. You know, nine times out of ten, if I'm sat watching the telly, I've got a dog sat pretty looking at me, waving, you know, saying, hey, I'm here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But I'm not asked 
to do tricks and perform that they're they're still doing it they're still offering things you know which is fantastic um but yeah have a fantastic relationship and uh, and wonderful bond really yeah yeah and that's what it's all about you know it's to me everything else is brilliant and you've done some brilliant things and it must be wonderful but it's that relationship that's what you get the dog for isn't it to have the dog as your friend that's it they, they are my best friends really yeah, yeah. they're there oh, yeah if i'm sad if i'm happy they're there you know all yes. the time it's, it's brilliant yeah yeah. Yes, a dog never turns around and goes, oh, cheer up, love. Come on, move on now. It's, the dog's just yeah. there for you, aren't they? Yeah, they're always there. And like I say, you know, a lot of people keep their dogs down in the kitchen or whatever when they go to bed. But mine are in the bedroom. They're on the bed. They sleep with me. They're everywhere with me all the time. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Uh, did you, did you, we, we, we sort of said you, you sort of got into this, you know, that it, it sort of wasn't an aim kind of thing. But how did you you know choose them or how how did they come into your life and the the thing I was thinking about as well was do they have siblings somewhere that just happen to be with an owner who's you know and being a pet dog you know just in inverted commas just a pet dog is a wonderful thing so I'm not denigrating that at all and we all have different lifestyles and you know different things we can different talents um but do they have siblings somewhere who perhaps haven't had such a you know a busy life and and I said because I when I got Buddy his siblings went off to be dogs with the disabled for example so I knew that his his genetically he was capable of great things you know and I kind of thought mm, yeah right what what we what we don't achieve now really is down to me not not being bothered now <laughs> well that's that's the wrong way to put it you know but you know what I mean he he yeah. it's 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 I've got the raw material. It's how I shape it. And I just thought, are there people somewhere going, yeah, my, my dog actually could do that, but I, you know, <laughs> I haven't got the time. <laughs> um, well, my Jack Russells are just, they came from a breeder that just lives on a farm. So we just farm dogs. Hmm. Um, so, uh, three of them are related because I've gone back to the same person every time because they're very clever. My Jack Russells, they, you know, they seem intelligent dog so I thought oh it worked with one dog I'll continue getting them from the same place um but again like I say it's just um a farm that breeds them so they tend to just go out to farming homes so I don't think any of them have done anything great but I do know now that the person that breeds um where I brought my dogs from now advertises my dogs I think that helps us sell them a bit better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope they go with a warning, though. You've got to keep this dog occupied. You've got potential here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, my collie dogs, um, they've come from a pedigree background and uh, their siblings have always gone to, to crafts. Um, they've done a lot, you know, they've won at crafts and things like that. So they do um, heel works, music, obedience. So they've come from the the right lines, if you like. Yes, yeah. Um, but the Jack Russells are just just farm dogs, general, generally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, whatever your dog and whatever your dog's background, I'm assuming, you know, I mean, not you particularly. I mean, ones, whatever ones dog's background is, you could achieve trick training, couldn't you? And and yeah. what, how would you say to someone? If, you know, someone's listening to this going, oh, I want to do some tricks with my dog. Where would you start? Um, well, basically, to start with your trick training, we start with what we call luring. So, again, we're using food in our hand 
and we're just getting the dog to follow your hand wherever it may go. So if you put a treat in front of your dog's nose and you turn it left, um, the dog will follow your hand. And that's how we just get a small circle. Um, so we call it luring. So we use food to lure them. And eventually then we'll put the voice commands in and then we can take the lure in away and just continue with the voice cues. But most of the time it's it's just food yes. <laughs> luring them around and rewarding them. It's like being paid. You went out to work and you got paid with money. We're just paying them with food. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always I always think that when people say, Oh, I don't believe in tricks and bribery and you think, Well, how much would you work if they're and it doesn't have to be money, because obviously dogs uh, we can reward them with food and, and toys and fuss and you know there's lots of things and with people some people volunteer so you know the, but the reward then is that you feel good that you're doing something for other people so we get paid in some way we get you know a comeback in some way it's got to be the same for the dog there's nothing noble about saying oh i don't need i don't use food because you must be rewarding the dog in some way surely that's right. I mean, my, my dogs love all the attention. They love to be fast. I mean, it doesn't have to be food. They'll work for toys. Um, they'll work for a good scratch and a cuddle, you know. But <laughs> we call it working, but really it's playing and having fun. It's yes. not so much working. Yeah. Um, and the dogs thoroughly enjoy it. And, you know, if they didn't enjoy it, they wouldn't do it, you know. And I wouldn't force them to do it. So it's all it's all good fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely, lovely. I did buy um, one of my dogs to do trick training with originally, um, and he just he didn't seem to enjoy it very much. So he doesn't do trick training. You know, he likes his agility, and that's the line he's going down doing the agility. So, like I say, I don't force my dogs to do anything. Yeah. They don't want to do it. Yeah. They'll find something else fun and that they enjoy doing. Yeah, definitely. That's absolutely the way to approach it. Work to what your dog wants to do. That's what it's about, isn't it? Um, dog wants you work with it and and get the best out of them yeah absolutely having said that what's the most difficult trick that you've you've tried or or you know managed to to teach the dogs oh um <laughs> i would i would have said the skipping was quite tough to be fair yes um because a lot of dogs may jump but they don't have a natural up and down pingy jump if that makes sense a yes. lot of dogs would into you away from you um or they won't jump very high to clear the ground um so but that's what i said the skipping was my hardest one that i've taught um but jessica bless her she she took to that really well i'm starting to train some of my other dogs to skip now because jessica is nine um but they haven't took to it as quick as jessica is so i've got quite a bit of work ahead of me with that one yeah because you have to um, to start off with the skipping, you've got to teach your dog to jump and land on a target just to get a nice even up and down jump, as opposed to them jumping and going to the left, to the right, to the forward and backward. So um, once they've hit the target and then we can start to continue with the voices and the rope and things like that. But, yeah, it's I think the skipping was my toughest one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't, I, it sounds way beyond anything I would even, you know, try to do. Um, and is there anything they refuse to do? I'm thinking because, I mean, as I say, Buddy and I only achieved minor, minor things, but we had fun with it, you know. But one thing he would never, ever do is balance a treat on his nose. And he kind of had, had the attitude that if that treat comes within, you know, eating distance i'm jolly well eating it it's not balancing on my nose and he just would not do that and you know other things he'd be as pl you know pliable and and amiable as you like but the treat on the nose that wasn't happening <laughs> have your dogs refused to do anything 
Um, they've never refused. They've always tried their best to do things. Sometimes they might not get it right. So therefore, I'll change the way I'm training it. Um, so, you know, you can have a simple trick, but yet you can train it two or three different ways. So I tend to change it if it doesn't suit the dog to find a better way. Um, but they've never refused to do anything or no, they're very willing and keen to, to learn new tricks and do anything. Yeah, brilliant. See, maybe I should have tried with buddy balancing. I was going to say some food you didn't like. That would have been difficult to find. But, you know, a toy or something, I don't know. Yeah, balance a little block or something on his nose. And, yeah. And work that <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. um, what's next for you, Rachel? Or, or what, what's next that you can tell us about? I know you've got things in the pipeline that you don't want to talk about, but what's next that you can tell us about? Um, so we are, we are off filming at the weekend for a new TV show. Um, but yes, unfortunately, everything's hush-hush until it's actually been filmed. Yeah. Uh, um, but at the moment, we're, we're doing quite a bit of agility. So I'm enjoying my agility and I'm trying to get Jack Blessing. I'm not sure how much people know about agility, but I've only been doing agility with Jack for a year. And he's gone from grade one to, to grade five and he's one win away to go to grade six. So I'm hoping to achieve that by the end of this year. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, I've got a, a little puppy well, I say he's a puppy, he's grown up now, he's now 12 months old, Jack Russell. So he's been busy um, doing his trick training, learning all these new tricks and also doing agility. So hopefully next year, Jerry will be up and ready to, to come out and perform um, and wow the crowd. Excellent. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, over the winter, I will be working on new routines, music, props, clothes, ready for next year. I've got um because my dogs ride around in a car and they've got their own Ferrari, they've got a Bentley and they ride, you know, they love riding the horses. So now yeah. I've brought them a robot. <laughs> so they have their own robot. So I'll be working on that over the winter with them. <laughs> I love I love the, the, the brands of car they've got as well. Nothing but the best for them. I like that. <laughs> yeah, they love their cars. Um, we did um, back along, we did, they were the, royal family when harry and megan got married they oh. had their own for that and we dressed them up and they were on the news they got married in a church so we did a mini mini royal wedding for the dogs oh lovely they were on the main bbc news so they went that went down really really well with yeah, them i bet i bet oh that's lovely wow <laughs> But you've, you've done so much, and we've talked about so much, but obviously we kind of covered everything. Where where can people find out more about um, your dogs online? Um, so they have their own Facebook page, Cracker Jacks, and um, also on Instagram they have the page, and also on the website on um, if you. Um, even if you go on YouTube and put in Rex and Stud, you'll see the um, horses that we used to dance with, and uh, you'll see some of the dogs on there as well. So they're everywhere. If you Google it, lots will come up anyway. Smashing. Well, thank you ever so much, Rachel. And I, I imagine you're going to go rush off now and back, back to more training because I can hear the dogs, <laughs> you know, in the background wanting to go. So thank you ever so much for talking to me and the best of luck with this weekend, this secret weekend. <laughs> no, the best of luck with that and with everything you. You in the future. Thank you very much. That's how it should be. Your relationship with your dog is more important than any achievements you make together.
Huge thanks to Rachel for giving us such great insight into her world. And you can keep up to date with Rachel and her crackerjacks at her website and social media accounts. All of the links you need are on the Dogcast Radio site. If you're inspired to do any training by that or any interview you hear on Dogcast Radio, we'd love to see photos or videos of it. Owning a dog is slightly less expensive than being addicted to crack. Jen Lancaster, Bitter is the New Black. With this being episode 199, our next show will be our 200th. I can't believe that it's 13 years since we made our first podcast. I can still remember sitting interviewing that first guest at home and how nervous I was going out and getting our first interviews among the public. Back then, very few people knew what a podcast was, how times have changed. If you have a favourite episode, or if we've touched you or your dog's life in some way, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, with our 200th episode, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ken. Ken who? Can you walk the dog for me? (laughs) I've got one. Knock, knock. Who's there? Oliver. Oliver who? All of a sudden, my dog went crazy. Knock, knock. Who's there? Sarah. Sarah who? Sarah dog in there with you? Knock, knock. Who's there? Dash. Dash who? Dashund. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dazm. Dazm who? Dazm cute dog. (laughs) Look, we better stop now. You didn't say knock, knock? No, I'm I'm not doing another joke. Who's there? No, we better... Stop now. You, you don't get this, do you? It's knock, oh. knock. <laughs> We're going to talk about this somewhere else, shall we?